Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is November 25th, 2019. It's Thanksgiving Day week. Um, lots of preparations uh, for a lot of people that are having family over. Um, but, you know, you have to wonder, what will our administration serve to the Democrats? For Thanksgiving dinner, I think a good big fat dish of crow uh, is necessary because this charade of a circus of an impeachment has, you know, come to its capacity of ability to exist. Okay, and be heard. It's backfiring on them. I think we should thank them for doing this in a sense of Even the Democrats are tired of it. They're really tired of it. I had pass in passing conversations and I have a lot of friends that I've, uh, kept with over the years. And I'm like, so I know we, we don't talk politics because, you know, I use facts and you don't. I usually say that. But the question is like, what do you think of all this impeachment stuff? Responses. This is just dumb. Their elections coming up. Like, why are they doing this now? Exactly the sentiment of many Democrats out there. What they've done indicates that they're scared that President Trump is going to win again because he is. But now we have Bloomberg coming into the picture. Now, Bloomberg promised two billion dollars. Basically, he promised to fill their coffers. They're in debt. This is quid pro quo at its finest. I got $2 billion. I got money. You're broke. What's up? Watch it. And the thing is, I hope Bloomberg himself has done his due diligence in regard to what he's getting into with the DNC. I think it's appropriate for us to play a short clip from ABC News, suppressing news, on um, how former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg announced that he's entering the presidential race. Take a listen. Oh, gosh darn it. My audio just didn't like. There we go. Michael Bloomberg makes it official, announcing he is running for president. ABC's Rachel Scott has more. This morning, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg announcing he's in the race for president. Jobs creator, leader, problem solver, Mike Bloomberg for president. I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message. Dropping more than $37 million on a TV ad campaign, the largest in the 2020 campaign cycle so far. My staff just told me that uh, Mayor Bloomberg's going to put millions of dollars in ads, so am I. Tomorrow, no, I'm not. Those ads set to kick off today will air in several key states as Bloomberg eyes a presidential bid about 10 weeks before the first vote is cast. I understand that rich people are going to have more shoes than the rest of us. They're going to have more cars than the rest of us. They're going to have more houses. But they don't get a bigger share of democracy. In the fight to beat President Trump, sources close to Bloomberg say he's concerned no one in the field can get the job done. And if he opts in, he not only thinks he can, but he's willing to spend as much money as it takes to do it. 
But some Democratic candidates are firing back, accusing the billionaire of trying to buy the election. Mr. Bloomberg, to the best of my knowledge, has very little grassroots support. Democracy means that billionaires cannot buy elections. At this- Before I play the rest of it, can you see the hypocrisy? So Elizabeth Warren, who has a lot of money and a lot of shoes, complains about Bloomberg. Bernie Sanders, who's never actually had a job, uh, is literally telling people that billionaires and such can't be in here. They're literally fighting him, uh, you know, the rich guy coming in, because they know that he's got a big fat wallet and they won't go behind them because they can't fill the coffers. At this point in the race, some undecided voters were hoping the crowded field would narrow down by now. A lot of them have very similar positions, so it's really hard. I think we have we have candidates out there that are good. Don't need anyone else in the race. And Bloomberg will have to win over undecided voters like those, but he does not need their cash. He plans to self-fund his campaign. His advisor telling me he has never accepted a single dollar in political contributions and does not plan on starting now. Tom? Completely self-funded. All right, Rachel Scott. And on that point, let's bring in George Stephanopoulos, our chief anchor. He'll be hosting this week later today. Now, George. Just chuckling, Rachel. He doesn't need their cash. I think that's an understatement. Oh, yeah, (laughs) completely. So, George, we just heard in Rachel's story, he's going to spend north of $30 million this week alone. The other campaigns are attacking him. They would love to have that financial freedom. But there's no real danger here. Jeb Bush sort of did the same thing. He raised this massive war chest, and it bought him little support. Perhaps. Listen, I think we just have to start out by saying this is unlike anything we've ever seen before in presidential politics. Mike Bloomberg's worth at least $50 billion. We're reporting that he's going to spend in this first week alone $37, $38 million. It's a lot more than that. We don't know the full numbers yet. The scale that he's talking about is unlike anything we've ever seen before. And what he's trying to do is basically turn March 3rd, Super Tuesday, into a national primary. Now, you're exactly right. Does money guarantee support? Absolutely not. Are there questions about whether Michael Bloomberg is a real Democrat? You're going to see those questions raised by other candidates. But this is, I, I, I think what he's doing here is throwing out the rule book with his bank book, and we're going to have to see what happens coming forward. Yeah, if you have money, does that mean you're going to win? Oh, no, it definitely does not. Uh, yes, it does. You guys are desperate. You got $10 million from amalgamated bank. That is union, hard-worked cash that union members have done because they're, they've been so stupefied by this mirage of pay us union dues and for some reason that offers you job security. And they've given it to the Democrats and they're still in the hole. You know, they're reporting that they're seven million in the hole. They're way more in the hole. They have no money. No money whatsoever. And I wanted to tell you that they've dumped a lot of money into Democrats overseas. So I got a weird email, uh, you know, because I lived around the world. I got a weird email um, from two nations that I lived at. Hey, looks like you're in the States now. So maybe I should take you off our list. One of them even got to me. Guess, get, get this from Facebook Messenger. Hey, we have this email where we're sending stuff and it's defunct. It was like a uh, you know, British Telecom email. Uh, so, um, you know, we just wanted to know where we can send you your absentee ballot. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, have they been sending absentee ballots to, like, England? Has anyone filled those out for me? That's that's something that's good. But how do you track that? 
How do you know that my vote in New York hasn't been used? That's bizarre, isn't it? So that happened over the weekend because, uh, you know, in my, I didn't check my junk, junk emails. Nor do I check like my Facebook message, like I've taken Messenger off my phone. So I only look at it if I'm on a browser and I went to like requests and oh my gosh, like I had so many. I'm like, how am I not seeing these requests all the time? And then they have something else called filtered requests bizarre. I'm telling you, they're pouring a lot of money. I mean, for them to track you down on Facebook, yo, you know, you're a globetrotter. Um, where can I send you your, your absentee ballot? I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, who do I contact about that? Um, I don't even know. I mean, I just have to get back with the Democrat organization that contacted me on Facebook. Um, I'll be putting a screenshot of it uh, later on today. I mean, it's really crazy. Uh, so I thought that was extremely interesting and their push. But I want you guys to hear a little bit of their commentary in regards to Bloomberg, which is mm, pretty telling. And this brings up my next question. You know, the qualifications for the debate demand a certain amount of unique donors. He has one donor himself. Does he go to the debate then? I, I don't think he's going to be in that first debate. I think I, in December, after he gets in this week, I think that's unlikely. Remember, he's, his plan is to skip those first four states, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina, and make a big splash on Super Tuesday. It's a big gamble, and Bloomberg and his team admit that it's a big gamble. What they're banking on is the idea that Democrats still care more than anything else about electability, that he would be the most electable candidate against George W. Bush, and that they're looking to win. Okay, uh, on impeachment briefly, George, we, we saw that Rudy Giuliani has reemerged, and also this news that potentially one of his associates is working with some of the investigators in the impeachment. We saw a long week of testimonies, but this is still getting started. Oh, oh absolutely. You've got many more steps to go in impeachment. Now it's going to, the Intelligence Committee has to write a report. The Judiciary Committee has to consider articles of impeachment, then it has to go to the House floor, and then, of course, if the House votes to impeach, which looks likely right now you have this Senate trial, which could go all the way through January, maybe even into February. And one of the big questions is going to be, will new information come out during that time frame? Will new witnesses be compelled to testify? That's the big wild card right, right. now. And Americans dealing with primaries and possible mm-hmm. impeachment. All right, George, thanks so much. And tune into this week later this morning. So they're expecting, just like the president told us, that if this goes through, it'll go through a Senate trial in January and February, uh, maybe all the way to February. And I think President Trump said, if Nancy does what I think she'll do, I won't be around January and February, you know, visibly, uh, you know, with Hunter Biden testifying um, or being questioned. So that's in the works, too. Uh, that's very, very interesting, guys. Because right now the Democrats are kind of feeling the place out. Do we put up Bloomberg who's going to fill up our coffers and, you know, re, mm, I would say revamp the Democratic Party. But the thing is, they've created such an, um, a negative face to business people and rich people that their actual base would not be attracted to Bloomberg. But Bloomberg, could dilute votes from centrists that have no plan on voting for any of the clowns that are currently running uh, from President Trump. But that's still not enough, you guys.
They fixed the elections for Hillary Clinton, and she still lost because they didn't expect such a high turnout. People are going to go to the polls. People are going to stay with President Trump because he has delivered. He's not saying, well, you know, we'll do this. He hasn't caused war. He's diffused it. He's uh, given us money back. He's created jobs. I mean, that's a very big deal. You have to appreciate that. And the fact that on the news they're seeing them going after President Trump with clowns like Adam Schiff that nobody can stand. Nobody can stand him. So it was great that they put him up as the poster child for this impeachment because he's so unlikable. Not even the left likes him. Let's take a listen to Jake Tapper, which, by the way, should be very, very careful from what I'm hearing because the media is in a lot of trouble. This IG report, I don't know where they're getting their leaks from, but a lot of them are in trouble. Take a listen to what he has to say. Moving forward in their impeachment inquiry after two weeks of historic public testimony on Capitol Hill, the clear picture that has emerged, the Trump administration was pushing Ukraine for political investigations while holding up military aid and a White House meeting that Ukraine wanted. A key witness, Ambassador Gordon Sondland, testified that when it came to withholding the White House meeting in exchange for the Biden investigation, quote, everyone was in the loop. It was no secret. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously, with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. But even after 12 witnesses testified in public for more than 30 hours, the hearings do not seem to have changed the political dynamics in Washington. President Trump continues to insist that he has done nothing wrong, and there are still no Republicans in the House or Senate that we can tell are in favor of impeachment. Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee are expected to spend the next week drafting a report for the House Judiciary Committee, which will then make a determination on articles of impeachment. If the House moves forward, sources say a vote on impeachment could happen before Christmas. Here with me, the man leading the impeachment inquiry, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Democrat Adam Schiff of California. Uh, Congressman Schiff, Chairman Schiff, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Do you think that that was the most important moment, moment of the testimony? Uh, Ambassador Sondland saying... There was a quid pro quo when it came to the Ukraine meeting and the Biden's investigation? I think it was one of the most important moments. I also was particularly struck by Dr. Hill's testimony uh, when she acknowledged, and I think she you know, came to this conclusion watching the evidence during the hearings, that this irregular channel that had been described may have been the regular channel. Uh, the national security efforts, the efforts to drive our foreign policy uh, in ways that the, the entire national security infrastructure believed was in U.S. interests, that may have become irregular in a presidency that was driven by the president's personal political errand, his interests. Yeah. Uh, and sadly, in this presidency, what matters to this president, and I think uh, Mr. Holmes made this point quite eloquently, uh, he only David Holmes, the, the Ukrainian, uh, the U.S. Uh, amb- U.S. embassy official in Ukraine. Yes, yes, that, that uh, as Sondland told him, this president only cares about the big stuff. And when he said, well, there's big stuff going on here. There's a war with Russia. Sondland explained, no, big stuff that helps him personally, like this Biden investigation that Giuliani wants. Some conversations really tell it all. And that is the story of this presidency. What matters to Donald Trump is what matters to him personally and politically. The rest, our national security, our allies, 
none of that matters compared to what this president thinks is good for him. So those are the three moments then, in your view, that are most important. Um, is there no, you have no more public testimony scheduled that we know of. Uh, your committee has begun running the report. So is, is that it? Are there going to be any more hearings, any more witnesses, or are you done? We don't foreclose the possibility of more depositions, more hearings. We are in the process of getting more documents all the time. So that investigative work is going to go on. What we're not prepared to do is wait months and months while the administration plays a game of rope-a-dope in an effort to try to stall. Uh, we're not willing to go down that road. And what's more, the evidence... Stall what? What evidence? Witnesses that witness nothing. Uh, you know, I uh, posted on the Tory Says page on Facebook and on Twitter a video by Freedom Tunes. Man, that was perfect. Um, and I think uh, it's something that, you know, maybe I should play for you guys uh, because they depicted exactly what I've been saying this um, whole charade sounds like. It sounds like Gossip Girl, right? It's like, I heard that he said that she said that blah, 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 blah. This is not facts. This is not impeachable stuff. You can't just sit there and say, well, yeah, we're just going to impeach him. For what? Because you don't like him? Because you heard from a fifth cousin removed that knows someone that knows someone that knows someone. Please, guys, like this is, uh, you know, ridiculous. What we have seen happen and unfold in front of our eyes is a joke. They have made a mockery of our executive branch. They've made a mockery. It's just ridiculous. I don't see how people don't feel the same way. Listen to what else Schiff says. If he wants to say it. <laughs> it's as if Jake this is already is overwhelming. The, the remarkable thing about this, and we've done this with almost, well, literally no documentary production from the administration, is the facts are really not contested. It's really not contested what the president did. Mm-hmm. Um, what is open to question is whether members of Congress are going to do their duty uh, and whether there will be anyone like Howard Baker or anyone on the Republican side that is willing to put their country, their constitution above the party or even the person of this president, because I don't think he really represents at least what the Republican Party used to stand for. So if the facts aren't contested and your committee is writing up the report and you don't, at least as of now, have any scheduled witnesses or depositions, do you think President Trump should be impeached? I want to discuss this with my constituents and my colleagues before I make a final judgment on it. But but there are a couple really important things we need to think about. And one is, are we prepared to say that soliciting foreign interference, conditioning official acts like 400 million in taxpayer money, White House meetings to get political favors is somehow now compatible with the office? Because if we do, it's basically carte blanche for this president and anyone who comes after him. But are we also what is he talking about? You know what? Adam Schiff had Igor Pasternak, uh, you know, a Ukrainian, you know, rich dude, throw him fundraisers and throw tons of money at him, literally tons of money at him for his campaign and through parties at his house for what? Suddenly having a patent for a blimp, you know, a blimp, you know, like Nazi blimps, right? For blimp. Warfare or blimps listening in on your phone calls and floating around for blimps. I kid you not. And then his idea, which didn't need to be 
mm, there was no need for a prototype. Let's put it that way. The way it was worded, thanks to Adam Schiff, his friend Igor got $15 million from the federal government for a blimp. A blimp. Yet, you know, we can't exchange, you know, things for political favors. We can't do those. Look who's talking. This is ridiculous. I can't believe he's talking about it, too. I'm prepared to say that Congress will tolerate the complete stonewalling of an impeachment inquiry or our oversight, because if we do, it'll mean that the impeachment clause is a complete nullity. And more than that, our oversight ability is really an ability in name only. But if that's your view, and you've also said that this week's testimony, quote, goes right to the heart of the issue of bribery, and you've also said that what you've seen is, quote, far more serious than what Nixon did, Explain to me how you have not come to the conclusion that the president should be impeached. I mean, it sounds like he, you think he should be impeached. Well, I certainly think that the evidence that's been produced um, overwhelmingly shows serious misconduct by the president. But I do want to hear uh, more from my constituents, and I want to hear more from my colleagues. This is not a decision I will be making alone. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, this is a decision about whether the, the Founding Fathers had in mind this kind of misconduct when they gave Congress this remedy. And uh, I have to think that this is very much central to what they were concerned about. That, that is, a unethical man or woman takes that office, uses it for their personal political gain. Let's stop him right there. Wasn't he, like, pro-Hillary, right? That literally eliminates... Her counter, you know, people that go against her. The one that was selling uranium, right, for her benefit. The one that was filling up her foundation with billions. That's a B. B for Bravo, for boy. B billions of Ukrainian dollars. You know, same Ukrainian dollars Schiff was getting. He only got the millions mm, mm, for Mike. And now he's channeling our forefathers that would be rolling over in their grave. They are rolling over in their grave for the circus that he's put on. He needs to be very careful because Ed Buck's raid has a lot of stuff on Schiff. Gain sacrifices the national security to do so. Uh, if that wasn't what the founders had in mind, it's hard to imagine what they did. So it is uncontested that President Trump asked Ukraine to investigate the Bidens. He said so on the call, and he said so in front of cameras when asked about the call in the early... In early okay, did you see that? He said so on the call. He didn't say that on the call, did he? But they're saying he said it on the call. This is what This is where we should be taking this snippet and going against Jake Tapper. Because on the call, nowhere did he mention Biden. The president did not mention Biden. We have the transcript. He didn't mention Biden. But Jake Tapper just made it a matter of fact. You know, maybe I should just write an article about Jake Tapper. Just to point it out. I don't know why we're not suing them for putting out false information and saying that it's true. Nowhere in the transcript has the president said Biden. Nowhere. Early October. The, the other question, though, is whether or not the $400 million in aid for Ukraine and the White House meeting 
was directly ordered by President Trump to have to be withheld until they did these investigations. And so far, there are no witnesses. That's not to say there are no people, but there are no witnesses who have said that they heard that from President Trump. In fact, here's Gordon Sondland uh, asked about this very issue. The president never told you about any preconditions for the aid to be released? No. Uh, the president never told you about any preconditions for a White House meeting? Personally, no. I'm not testifying that I heard the president tell Mr. Giuliani to tell us. Have any witnesses testified that the president himself explicitly linked a White House meeting or the $400 million in aid to an announcement about these investigations? Yes, the president's own chief of staff, uh, the person who meets with the president every day on live camera, uh, admitted exactly that vis-a-vis uh, -vis the most serious, and that is the military aid. Uh, but look, uh, what... Okay, when did Mulvaney say that, guys? Ambassador Sondland did say is everyone was in loop on the preconditioning of the meeting that Ukraine desperately sought for its recognition that it had the that the United States had its back, um, that everyone was in the loop on this. There was a clear quid pro quo. Yeah, but quid pro Joe wasn't quid pro quo, right? This is selective. Now, Today, uh, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about the Ukraine, but we're also going to be talking about Iran. We've got a new Khashoggi deal going on. Uh, Turkish Services just released some video footage. Uh, we'll get to that in the second half of the show. I'll see you all in just a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, so we heard a little bit of Jake Tapper and Adam Schiff going at it. I just want to continue because he says some really outrageous things because you have to understand just how orchestrated the mainstream media that includes the right. OK, that includes the right because they do not report things when they had. I am so upset that I saw an article going around on Friday afternoon saying breaking news. You know, um, Burisma owner was in trouble for money laundering thirty five million dollars. And that's how he got in bed with the Bidens, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, that's not breaking news. I had that documentation in October. I sat on it for five days and said, you know what? Poke this. I'm going to write about it. And I did. And imagine if the right conservative media had taken that information. And I don't care if they gave me credit or not. It's not about who really gets credit. I mean, sometimes all of us are petty. Like, hey, I did that. You know, give me a cookie. You know, that's human nature. But it's about imagine how the conversations and the questioning would have went if that was known by the senators, by the Congress people and how the conversation would have been different if that was spread across the Internet so they could see it in that article with Quid Pro Joe. I'd even outline all all of the indictments with their dates. And you know what? Obviously, it has to be X, Y, Z that reports it or else it's not news. This is why I say it's imperative. You're the news now. We are the news, not them. Not the branded, you know, media that has more, um, more, uh, whoa, interest-driven costs, no, interest-driven money falling into their pockets. You know, 
An article that I wrote um, over the weekend that I'm going to get to was about Eric Braverman. During my, you know, investigations into election fraud, there's like so much coming up. And I am so grateful to have partnered with some great independent journalists on this because everything is coming together. This farce, this, uh, this quid pro quo, what they've done to the Ukraine and how they've used it is ridiculous, but how they've used it to manipulate elections is even bigger. But what I wanted to point out was that I found a really curious donation by Rupert Murdoch, the owner of Fox, $200,000 worth, guys. And I think to myself, maybe I should blast the alternative right media outlets too. And we all know who, you know, is not mainstream, but is being considered mainstream that are also working with these packs. Mm. But I'm going to let it sit a bit because maybe they'll think about it again. Uh, if I know about it, I'm sure that the president does too. I'm very sure. You know, Scott Adams from Red State Talk Radio, he broke how Sondland, uh, how Bill Taylor had fabricated cables in the past, how they've lied in the past. No one reported on that except for him. We told you that this all started with $35 million in the United Kingdom. That's how Burisma got into the mix of things. This was the opportunity for Obama to get his foot in. And what if, and I'm still working on it, guys, because I'm waiting on people to get back to me from other nations and from my sources. But what if you found out that your tax dollars actually paid to help with election integrity in Europe and the Ukraine? How do you feel about funding protecting other countries' elections. Tell me about that. Yeah, and that's actually documented, and the media didn't even tell you about it. They don't tell you anything. The biggest problem that we have here is that they control what we hear, what we have access to, and what we say. And it's imperative that people understand that. You can't, don't even trust me. Do your own homework. That's the problem. We've stopped caring. How do you stop caring about tomorrow? Imagine if Hillary Clinton had become president. Tell me where you think you would be today. Broke. More people on welfare. No longer the United States of America. We would be the North American Union. I mean, I would be really busy as an interpreter. Geez, I'd have tons of contracts, tons of them. Think where you would be right now if the socialist policies were implemented. How many of you would be laid off? How many of you truckers would not have roots anymore? What about the farmers? They're moaning and crying now. Where's their aid? They don't have any. You'd still be selling your milk to Canada and buying it back at a premium. But facts get in the way, right? These are the things we should be taught. Where would the stock market be? How would your investments look? 
How many people would have lost their homes by now? Buying a home is in the United States of America is not even an option for over 70% of the working class. Yet here we have these clowns telling us in an economy where people are now buying homes, where people are getting jobs, where manufacturing is coming back, where people feel safe that they know better, that this should be stopped. No, we're not going to be just giving money out anymore. And you know, I made mention of one thing early last week, and that was that I had found a search warrant on some person named Spencer, and I didn't know who they were. And it was funny because it was issued like on the 13th of November or the 14th, and it was executed that evening, the next evening. So it was pretty quick. Maybe this was the Spencer. Because when I looked at it, yes, he got fired, right, for insubordination, um, which is, you know, he needs to be made an example of. We can't have those types of actions done by people in leadership, let alone the rank and file in the military. I'm pretty sure that a lot of you that have served have been given orders or strategies that you've sat down and mapped out for attacks, you know, gathering intelligence. You sat in the room and said, I don't like this. This is, this is going against everything I believe in. This is wrong. A lot of you, I've been there where you sit there and you're like, are you serious? Are we really doing this? And you're just like, where are the morals in this? But guess what? You're following orders. That is the dogma of being in the military, to follow orders. And if the Secretary of the Navy can't, that's a big problem. But as I was looking into him, I noticed that he was a Marine. He was honorably discharged, 16 years on Wall Street, working for all the corrupt institutions, and has some really interesting LLCs. And I noticed that his Navy bio on Navy.mil had a discrepancy. It said that he came from, you know, crossroads management, but that wasn't true because he had left that position and created his own, get this, boutique capital investment firm, kind of like the ones that Biden has and other clowns have. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute, why do we have these people in these positions in the first place? Uh, for my secretary of Navy, I would want, you know, a good chief warrant officer, an admiral that's admirable, right? That's what you would expect. Kind of like how we have Esper as our DOD head, right? That's the way it is. He was a great secretary of the army. He's a soldier himself. It's pretty incredible what we're seeing unfold. These are extremely historic times and unfortunately... They may not be documented accurately because of all these books and this book burning and um, freedom of speech being cut. Anyway, let's listen to the rest of what Schiff has to say, because this is the juicy part. Uh, and with respect to the military aid in the absence of any other explanation uh, and in light of the president's own record of pressing for these investigations, two plus two equals four. What every judge tells every jury, and it's no different here, is you don't leave your common sense at the door. 
Um, everyone understood this was merely pressure to get the president's investigations. And even more than that, and I thought this was notable about Ambassador Sondland's testimony, he wasn't even as interested in the investigations as he was the announcement of the investigations. That gives the lie to the whole idea that this was ever about corruption. It wasn't. It was about the re-election campaign of the president. So you just referred to a public statement made by acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, in which he did, in fact, say that part of the reason the military aid, the, the $400 million in aid, was held up was because they wanted this investigation into Ukraine in 2016. Absolutely, he said that on the record. But you have not had, you and the committee have not had Mick Mulvaney testify or Vice President Pence or Secretary of State Pompeo or former National Security Advisor uh, John Bolton or the president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Now, I understand you would welcome their testimony. Just so you know, he, the people that haven't testified are Mick uh, Mulvaney, Mike Pence, gosh, would I love that, Mike Pompeo, John Bolton, Rudy Giuliani. Now, remember how I told you that John Bolton is scary, right? He's a guy that will do anything for means. Well, it seems like he's pulled the same strategy from what I see to successfully complete a mission that he did back in the day in Central America. And this successful accomplishment of the mission is not against the president of the United States. It's actually for. So this is pretty interesting because out of the five people mentioned, one person is the one that needs to be snagged and put in the corner. Just one. And I'm not going to name it. Just one. Because their name kept popping up during these witnesses that witnessed nothing that were testifying to things that they didn't witness. You've asked for their testimony and they have not given it. The, the New York Times editorial board, hardly a Trump supporting uh, organ, uh, said this week that it's a, quote, mistake not to call any more witnesses, saying it's essential to hear from key figures in the process, quote, should not be rushed. Uh, and yet you're not going to go to court to compel them because you say it's rope-a-dope, it's going to take too much time. But is that really a principle, the idea that it's just going to take too much time as opposed to, look, there are three branches of government. Here's the legislative branch doing oversight of the executive branch. Guess what? The judicial branch gets to weigh in as well. Well, the New York Times piece was interesting in two respects. First, they acknowledge that the evidence is overwhelming of what the president did and the presidential misconduct. Um, and they give no remedy for the fact that the administration will draw this out for months and months um, if we choose to litigate this matter. Uh, yes, we'd love to have these witnesses come in, but we're not willing uh, to uh, simply allow them to wait us out, to stall this proceeding when the facts are already overwhelming. Uh, we're going to continue our investigation. Uh, we are going to continue to pursue Even after the documents. Even in the report, you're going to yes. continue? Yes. Oh, yes. The investigation isn't going to end. Um, but this gets back to, I think, something the inspector general said, which is this is an urgent concern. This president has now twice sought foreign interference in our election, uh, and that election is coming up. The first time being with Russia. The first time being with Russia, when he invited the Russians to hack Hillary's emails, and later that day they attempted to... He invited the Russians to hack Hillary's emails, and later that day, listen, he didn't invite anything. It was an inside job. You guys took him out. Everything can be proven, but you've paid CrowdStrike via Google, which, by the way, why is MoMA creeping on my website? See, I, like I said, I'm not a super coder or cryptographer, but for some reason, my website is on the intranet of Google. 
So I want to know, is it Eric Schmidt that's just upset that I posted a picture of him again at Jeffrey Epstein's party? Or the fact that I'm pointing to the fact that Google gave $100 million to CrowdStrike while Hillary Clinton's old Clinton Foundation CEO was working with them. Oh, which one is it? Or the other millions and millions of dollars that Google has provided to get this election software companies to help ensure the democratic process. Hmm. So <laughs> apparently Tory says dot com is now being discussed on the intranet of Google. So I'm on a MoMA. I'm in MoMA. That's what it is. MoMA is the name of their internal, you know, um, email system. And you know, what's funny, uh, the way you get into it is really funny. So in order to get into that specific website, I, I kid you not, you have to type aristocat.corp.google.com. Talk about, you know, snooty, right? Sounds kind of snooty. That's what's happening. They are upset because when you realize that monopolies, and I've said this before, monopolies are the foundation of socialism. Think of just how many companies, you can look it up yourself, Alphabet Inc. owns globally. Almost every single company, IG Capital, which is Google Capital, Google Investments, have invested in, are then either owned outright by Google or will be owned in the future. Monopolies. You know, like those uh, stories that we we read about, the movies of an apocalyptic future of corporate governance, you know, in the hands of the few, right? Hunger Games, Minority Report. We could just keep going and going. The corporation, the party that's a corporation. How many of these movies have you seen? Mm, this is it. All signs point to one place. And you know what's funny is like, could you imagine people actually realizing that this one company has been investing in all social media platforms too? I mean, they own YouTube. They own everything. (laughs) And it's kind of like, we're just letting them get away with it. We're literally letting them get away with it. And even though the news are telling you that President Trump is going after them for working with China, it's because their pilot of all this software, the social credit systems, the continuous monitoring, the connecting and plugging people to the internet. You know, 5G is a big deal. It could be beneficial, right? But it is also the biggest weapon against humanity. Kids these days don't know what it's like to be kids. They don't know what it's like to run outside and climb on a tree and play war in a little park with their friends, throwing, you know, uh, you know, seeds or whatever at each other. They don't know what it is to ride a bike, ride a bike. What are you kidding? And, and, you know, get out there and scrape their knee. Oh, my kid does sports. Yeah, you take them to games at the school, which, you know, you fund to live out your dreams or to create some sort of status in your school. I kid you not. Like, I see, the, you know, I've never seen such animosity uh, between parents as I have in this state, which is smaller, right? Like, I've seen, I like, I saw it in Oregon, you know, the, the boosters. I boosted a lot of clubs, like hockey clubs, and my kids didn't play hockey, you know, um, and other things, because it's important that kids 
kids stay active and they learn competition. We're no longer allowing kids to compete. But it's not just because everybody gets a participation award. It's this ugly parent thing. It's like, oh, I don't like her mom. So, coach, if you want new uniforms, make sure that that kid, that kid, that kid don't make the team. Like, I kid you not. I saw it happen in front of me and I was like, whoa, good thing my kid doesn't do sports. Because this is what we are teaching the new generation. That you could buy your own team. You can buy whatever you want. And competition is all about who's got the clout. This is wrong. And this is how we are breeding a generation of idiots. And, you know, this whole conglomerate of of um, uh, artificial intelligence companies is heading that. You know, this election meddling, guys, isn't just about fixing our elections that they've been doing for decades. And not only ours, our administrations in the past have fixed elections in other nations. They get to decide who becomes president, who becomes anybody in another country. Like, why are we meddling in who gets elected somewhere? Why are we meddling in other countries' business? Because it is... Ultimately, for the favor of the few, for that, you know, for that section one, sector one of the Hunger Games with the really creepy, colorful outfits and lipstick just in the middle kind of thing. That's how creepy they are. I mean, we're seeing them in Congress right now. They all look insane. Bizarrely insane. And you have to think, like, what what person would actually say, yeah, I'm putting my vote in Pelosi or Bernie the Crypt Keeper or Adam Schiff who looks like have you guys ever seen medieval memes I love that page on uh, Facebook and the first time I ran into it was watching this medieval picture with some person with their eyes rolled up backwards but they're bugging out and it reminded me of Schiff because it's like when you turn your vibrator into the highest setting and it was that medieval picture. And I was like, that's what Adam Schiff looks like when he talks. You know, he looks insane. He looks like someone just tickled his fancy. It's just like I have no idea who would vote for them, which further reinforces the notion that this election meddling and fixing on local levels is super real. And, you know, as more people start to see this Kentucky voter fraud, their question is, you know, well, you only lost the governor's seat. All the other ones were like, you know, Republicans. Stop moaning. And it's like, but who said that the other ones were supposed to be Republicans? The Secretary of State of Kentucky, the new one, the Repu- wasn't supposed to win, you guys. It was supposed to be the Democrat. He wasn't supposed to win. <laughs> but, you know, we're just upset about the governor's race, right? The news are a big factor to this. And you know what? Big factor is not just the leftist mainstream media, but the right. Think about it. How many right wing channels, how many conservative news organizations that you follow without naming them told you about the Kentucky election fraud? How many of them reported the things that Millie Weaver and I did? And thank goodness Alex Jones put out there to give it even more traction, right? Loomer, Tory says, Millie, uh, millennial Millie, and inf- we're the only ones talking about it with solid evidence. 
How many other outlets did? That tells you all you have to know. I mean, suddenly they report, hey, we found these fake IDs. No, duh, because we told you. Uh, but, you know, obviously I couldn't report on that because uh, there's a lot of things that are going on in Kentucky that I can't report on because they're ongoing criminal investigations. So, like the president said, you're going to be hearing a lot from the new AG of Kentucky. It's going to be huge. Because that guy was supposed to be elected. He actually got more of the vote than anything. And you know what's what's so weird? Is that all the, almost all the Democrats voted for this guy because of the color of his skin. I kid you not. And that worked in his benefit, I guess. But it just shows you the state of mentality that the Democrat voters have. Okay, that is the state of mentality that they have, that they would just vote for someone based on their skin color. That's how they decide who will run their country and who has the future of their children and the food that they can put in their belly based on their color. That's what's bizarre. And it's happening every day. So just so in the next hour, we're going to talk about Eric Braverman. Um, Eric Braverman was in the news in 2016 as the elections pushed closer because nobody knew where he was. And the thing is about the mainstream media, they purposely report things that are wrong. They purposely, you know, disinformation sometimes, even on the right, is important, right? It is a tool. But in the article that I wrote about Eric Braverman, I demonstrated to you how Politico, uh, specifically Vogel, which we've seen riddled everywhere in WikiLeaks. Hey, can I write this? Oh, by the way, I'm writing this. Um, he actually started it. He planted the seed of the alibi. See, they'll put things that look like they're questioning the left. But in essence, they're creating, oh, look over here. Don't look over there. And I remember in 2016, all oh, the conservative, you know, alternative media outlets were like, oh, my gosh, Eric Braverman is like looking to crack a deal with Russia so he can expose Hillary Clinton. It was like such a lie. The dude left the Clinton Foundation, went straight to the Ukraine. And this is how Hillary Clinton got her millions and billions of dollars. He sat down. There is CCTV footage. There are pictures with the oligarch that made the allegation that Giuliani's, you know, clients, Parnas and whatnot were corrupt. <laughs> you know, it was after that meeting that that guy got taken off the do not enter the America, do not enter the United States of America list by Obama. And it was Marie Ivanovich and Eric Braverman. He was never missing. He was placed in the Ukraine to raise money and continue without being detected. Because the email investigations had just started. I'll see you all right after this break. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the second hour where we're just going to cover MSNBC's coverage of the Navy secretary getting fired. 
I posted an article about that showing you what article um, they violated, which is um, uh, the UCMJ Article 92. I think highest penalties should come, but President Trump was nice about it. I would have given him the hardest penalties ever just for even questioning what the president's order was. Then we're going to move on to Devin Nunes uh, suing the mainstream media, which we should all do for them lying and putting something out as fact. And then we're going to move on to Iran because we just had another Khashoggi incident uh, where, uh, you know, I told you about the Internet. I told you. This Internet thing is them taking down their cybersecurity and some guy was taken out. In Tur- Isn't it funny? Right. Isn't it funny how it's always in Turkey that all these people are taken out almost as if Erdogan is the facilitator for all of these coups, murders, hacking people up in pieces. Huh. And then pushing it as something else. But let's listen to MSNBC and uh, insane, you know, got away with murder Joe talking about this uh, issue with the uh, Navy secretary. Let's turn to the latest reporting that suggests some of the president's defenders are knowingly taking part in a Russian operation to smear Ukraine and to divide the United States. NBC News has now confirmed reporting from the New York Times that U.S. intelligence officials briefed senators in recent weeks that Russia engaged in a years-long campaign to frame Ukraine for its own meddling in the 2016 U.S. election. United States official tells NBC News the information about the Russian operation was considered classified until Dr. Fiona Hill revealed it in her public testimony at last week's impeachment hearing. Wait. So the article that I have written up because I'm waiting for a source that I have in the Ukraine to get back to me is that they're now saying that Russia has implicated the Ukraine to frame them for over a year. This is their project. Well, I'm going to show you how in 2014 we took advantage of the Ukraine saying that Russia was trying to meddle. Not only that, there's a biblical article coming. Guys, I'm going to tell you this, and I can't, I'm waiting to find out the names of the Democrats. So if any of you out there listening know anything about this, they are going after, and get this, the actual assets of the Christian church that oversee and, you know, maintain Jesus's tomb in Jerusalem. Now, Israel has nothing to do with it. The U.S. is all over it. And guess what? We promoted the idea of separating or breaking down the last unified Christian uh, church, which is the historical Christian, the Orthodox church in the Ukraine. So basically they created a separate entity for the Ukrainian Orthodox. That's like the, the same as what Hen- King Henry the eighth did when he created the church of England. They're literally trying now to get to that because the first Christian, uh, the historical Christians uh, encompassed Orthodox Christians and Catholics together. And so the historical Christians maintain all the relics of Jesus. His tomb that you can go visit um, in Jerusalem is actually held under the protection of the Orthodox Church, uh, specifically the Greek Orthodox Church, which is headed in Jerusalem. Now, they are under heavy fire 
by the Democrat lobbyist. And I want to find out. I know some staffer names, but I can't find them anywhere on the record. So these are probably staffers that are not on the books or lobbyists that are not on the books. So if anyone has heard of anything in their by their senator or their congressperson that may be a Democrat in their state, please feel free to email me. It's just Tori at Tori says dot com. Um, because I need to try, like I've put out my feelers all weekend. I've spoken with uh, the church in Jerusalem. I have verified all this information and I've said it before. These people are sick. They are going after everything. And if we remember history correctly, when Christianity broke apart and they created the Catholic Church. It was because the Catholics, uh, the Roman Church per se, said to the, to the Orthodox, the historical Christians as they were originally called, right? Um, we need to have someone anointed as, you know, a godly figure so that people can follow and maintain orders. And this was more of a weaponized approach in how they created the Pope. Now I know for all you Catholics out there, I'm really sorry that I'm putting this out there. It's not to like slam it or anything, but that is exactly the events that happened. They needed someone to be the authority or spokesperson from God, whereas the Orthodox Christians were like, no, dude, that's not right. Nobody has the right to speak for on behalf of God. Even priests are simple, simple, you know, people that commit to sin or and, and pray, you know, and voice what we know in the scriptures, but we don't say we're God, right? So, that's what happened. And then as time progressed, Henry VIII decided, well, we're going to make the Church of England because he wanted to make divorces okay. And it changed the face of Europe the minute the Church of England happened. It literally changed the, 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 the face of Europe. And then we had, you know, the Protestant movement, the Lutheran movement. These are all factions of from stemming from the main Christian religion from like 1 AD, right? And so... The only one that has been maintained is the historical Christians, the ones that have been taking care of the tomb from back in the day, from day one. You know, maintaining the tomb, cleaning the tomb, allowing people to come, you know, in pilgrimage to the tomb, everything and other relics. So what happened when the Church of England was created? What what were they able to do? They were able to confiscate all lands and properties and shut down monasteries and monastic lands and relics and all religious property was seized. Now, Greece, who has one of the autocathalists with Istanbul, uh, Constantinople, the big two, you know, heads of the religion, you know, where they kind of talk for the whole church, let's say, um, Greece was forced to comply and acknowledge just this past August that the Ukrainian church is an official church, I guess. And they gave them what they called autocephaly, which means that they have their own church regime. And this was started by the Obama administration saying that the Russian priests, because Russian Orthodox is Greek Orthodox. It's just done in Russian, right? Um, they're not like super, they're not like an independent church. They're like co-chairs, if you <laughs> might say. And so they started raiding all the, the churches in the Ukraine saying that, oh, all these priests that have been here for like so many years, um, are, you know, spies for Putin and they, they took everything. They shut down monasteries. Like they've really taken a big hit in regards to religion and, you know, their 
culture, et cetera, in the Ukraine. Um, and they decided that they're going to re- create the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox Church, the PCU. Uh, that's what it's called. You can Google it. You can see it. Like I said, fact check me. So this actually happened. And now the last frontier for this to be accomplished and them to actually seize the relics and the tomb of Jesus in Israel, in Jerusalem, is to force them to acknowledge that this new Ukrainian Orthodox, you know, division of ruling, uh, you know, the church or Christianity is a legit faction and they don't want to do it. And in Russia, they have a movement where half the churches have acknowledged the Ukrainian church is independent and the other haven't. And I've told you this before. In these nations of historical Christians, uh, you know, church goes hand in hand with politics because it has to be um, legit under the eyes of God. Okay. That's the way it's seen. Like you will never see a big politician sit down and have a conversation with the cabinet without, you know, a metropolitan sitting in on the meeting. A metropolitan is like, you know, uh, like a head of the church, uh, for the area or for the nation, uh, a representative of the church. And remember, churches have a lot of money, and this is how they sustain themselves by having properties and relics that have been handed down over the centuries. Um, and a lot of people say, well, churches are so rich. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of money because they've held on to relics that are like solid gold and real gems and Ark of the Covenant and, you know, stuff that we don't know about but we hear about or, you know, the cross that Jesus was nailed on. Nobody knows where that is. There's like, I know for a fact that they have like little pieces of it around in churches. Um, and throughout the Orthodox churches, they do. Uh, there's one in Libya. Um, there's two of them in Greece, like splints, you know, this is like real stuff, guys. They're going after religion. They are literally going after religion. And what's funny is, is that no one's talking about it. It's just happening. And I found it curious that when this came up on my radar after the pressure that Secretary Pompeo actually talked about it and said, yeah, you know, I'm really glad about your church thing. He kind of like congratulated the head of the church, which means we're on it, which means the president of the United States is on it. And, you know, it would be great if we got a little drip drip of who it is so we can expose the Democrats that are doing this. And I would assume that it's stemming out of Speaker Pelosi's pockets um, only because of her recent conversations in Jordan and um, Egypt. So Egypt is where the problem is. And now we find that um, Egyptian um, newspaper uh, media outlet was actually raided uh, by the Egyptian authorities for um, speak, you know, falsifying information, putting out false propaganda and stuff like that. Now Schiff tweeted about that. Uh, because, you know, they leak things and they were pushing some narratives that were completely false and paid for by other governments, which is considered what? Uh, treason, right? <laughs> Basically. Uh, so hopefully we can find, uh, outlets like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, you know, the New York Times, all guilty of treason because this is exactly what they're doing. So I just wanted to say, now they're trying to say that Russia has been framing the Ukraine for, you know, meddling when they did it, right? But in essence, the Ukraine during the election period in 2015, while Eric Braverman was in the Ukraine, 
was raising insane amounts of money for the Clinton Foundation. Billions with a B. With a B. Billions. Billions and billions of dollars flowed into the pockets of the Clinton Foundation and backed to Hillary Clinton. Billions. Not millions, billions. But yet Russia did it. And they're framing them. This is what they want you to believe that Putin orchestrated this. You know, there's a lot of bad blood with um, the Ukraine, no doubt, because, you know, the Ukraine so heavy in natural resources. It's obvious that Russia's like, listen, man, we have a lot of history. Let's exploit this stuff together and make some money. Didn't happen. The globalists got to it first. So there's animosity. And this is why Donbass, you know, the Ukrainians there are like, no, we want to be independent. But we want to maintain the culture and the history that we had as Ukrainians, even as part of the USSR, independent. You know, we're not getting the full story here, but take a listen to how they spin it. But being part of a Putin disinformation campaign is not stopping the president or his defenders from pushing or engaging in the debunked conspiracy theory. The FBI went in and they told him, get out of here. You're not getting it. We're not giving it to you. They gave the server to CrowdStrike or whatever it's called, which is a country, which is a company owned by a very wealthy Ukrainian. And I still want to see that server. You know, the FBI has never gotten that server. That's a big part of this whole thing. Why did they give it to a Ukrainian company? Are you sure they did that? Are you sure they gave it to Ukraine? Well, that's what the word is. Senator Kennedy, who do you believe was responsible for hacking the DNC and Clinton campaign computers, their emails? Was it Russia or Ukraine? I don't know, nor do you, nor do any of us. Uh, Miss Hill. Uh, well, I mean, let me just, let me just interrupt to say the entire intelligence community says it was Russia. Th- right. But it could also be Ukraine. I'm not saying that I know one way or the other. I'm saying that Miss Hill is entitled to her opinion, but no rebuttal evidence was allowed to be offered. Rev, I can't stress enough how deep a conspiracy theory that was until it reached the right house, the White House. It was a 4chan CrowdStrike thing. CrowdStrike's an American company, by the way. It's not a Ukraine. Oh my gosh, did he just say that CrowdStrike is an American company? You guys, it's not an American company. It is a Ukrainian company. The paper trail of the money shows it. The money went through Privat Bank in 2015. And it went through the U.S. And the Ukrainian Import Export Bank, which we're going to talk about, because I mentioned how Nancy Pelosi was talking. Oh, we need to like back this bill with the U.S. Import Export Bank, and I had dropped a bit of that information in respect to the U.S. Import Export Bank and Iran in an article called the uh, the Flynn Fix, FISA Fix, Flynn version. And in there, I talk about it because we're going to talk about that um, a little bit today. Um, well, no, we should talk about it now. So the U.S. Import-Export Bank, right, is a bank that for some reason is private, but it uses only federal tax dollars, where we supposedly give money to countries to float as loans to their consumers that are potentially going to buy American products. <laughs> Sounds like a super scam. It's like, I'll lend you money so that people in your country can buy my stuff, so in 2005, under Bush, an, a revolving credit line of 50 million federal tax dollars was signed in. 
in 2014, right after Burisma approached Biden and um carry about their deba- about his debacle right uh with the united kingdom and said i'll offer your son a job blah 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 the obama administration signed off 50 million dollars to just give it to them on top of the rolling or the revolving credit line to guess what the import export bank of the ukraine now if you remember two weeks ago i dropped that article where there was a kidnapping the isis leader will that kidnapping was the head of the ukrainian import export bank that was kidnapped but then re-kidnapped by the ukrainian security services and now he's under he's in jail facing charges of conspiracy and money laundering because the Clinton Foundation was getting money from the Ukrainian import-export bank. So were lobbyists that were giving back money to the DNC and the Obama administration. And this has been going on since 2014. Okay? Since 2014. And not only that, based on the money that we were giving the Ukrainians, we also... Uh, backed 68 billion U.S. dollars. Um, it's incredible. Now, this first 50 million that we supposedly gave them, get this, guys, was to help them with their elections and reinforced CrowdStrike and Seidel and their election machines to be fair. Meanwhile, we had clowns like Victoria Newland and the ambassador of the Ukraine picking and choosing who would be allowed to get into government or not. Now, this audio, there's audio that has been leaked um, for a very long time. And I was surprised to see it's almost as if, you know, the world is bringing things together because it's in my article. I have the audio clip on my computer and, you know, put into my article where Newland was discussing with, uh, the, the embassy in the Ukraine who they believe should run for office and who should be in Ukrainian political positions. And bizarrely today, just, it's like, you know, like everything's coming together. And this is how timelines converge. Um, you know, in a separate timeline, this never comes to fruition. Uh, Tracy Beans released it, you know, in a tweet. <laughs> and you could find that on Twitter if you're following Tracy Beans, where she just, uh, you know, plays the audio from, uh, you know, a YouTube stream. It's bizarre how people aren't seeing this scam The Ukraine was used as a basis for people to launder money and pilot out programs to um, push uh, election meddling globally. It's not nationwide. It's global. And here's the thing. Google's involved in it, too. Remember, artificial intelligence this year is a huge deal. They're looking at your habits through Facebook, through Twitter, through your search feed and your election preferences. So they can predict, manipulate, and maneuver you. And with 5G coming to the forefront, and we all know radio waves, sound waves, light waves um, cause changes, physiological and neurological changes in people. It's very dangerous because it's through public discourse, through things that can change your emotions. You know, have you ever watched a movie in a 
if you're like really pissed off, uh, I've done it in the summer where I'm really, really angry this summer. I was so angry at some point uh, with just so much stuff on my plate that I was like, you know what? And I just turned on the TV and watched a Christmas movie and watching that Christmas movie in June made me feel better because it changed my mood. Uh, so media, means of media actually can manipulate your mood, your thoughts, and um, your actions. And so imagine knowing what they can manipulate using means of media by act of restricting, allowing access, and then pushing. And, you know, it's as if they know that it is, it is, an, it is inevitable now that people are more woke. For example, they just published like this big list of all these shows that are going to be canceled for 2019, like new shows that came out and older ones that came out, you know, revamp things like Die Hard and they revamped a lot of things or this Sunnyside Queens comedy. Here's the thing. All of these revamps that they did have become so, uh, snowflake social justice warrior that they're all being canned. Because people are not receptive to that anymore. They don't want to see rubbish like that. Like I said, I was a huge fan of Charmed. And this new season of Charmed has, you know, bizarre things like, oh, you and your white privilege. And it's like, what the, you know, they suddenly have all the Charmed people just, you know, women of color. Because if they're white, it's like racist. Pay attention to that. So the consumers are speaking to them and they know they've lost that battle. So they've taken it up a notch. They use all that information they get from us, from using the apps, from what coffee we get, from what we say, what we search, what we watch, what we like, what we buy. And they put it into this one nice algorithm that can predict the behavior of you. And they use that to then predict how you will vote. Now, that has not been tidied up. This is data mining across the board globally. And they create experiments to see, you know, DARPA does this a lot, how they can manipulate how you feel about things. I wouldn't be surprised if Bloomberg was just another experiment to see how we can manipulate for 2024 on all fronts. Because it's not just the left doing it, it's the right too. The good guys have to use the same weapons the bad guys do in order to create an even playing field. It's important that people understand that. Um, because this is going to be coming to the forefront in 2020 in regards to 5G. Brain company. There's no physical server. We can go through this all again as we've done a million times. That was the president pushing it on Fox and Friends. But again, the second layer of these last three years has been the Republican support. The president says something wild, conspiratorial, false, and he has an entire group of senators who come in behind him and support. Senator Kenny knows better. He knows that's a conspiracy theory, and he's ignoring all the intel agencies when he says that on TV. But the Russia hoax wasn't a conspiracy theory for three years, right? Do you see what they're doing? It, it is frightening when you and see. And they have uh, Al Senator Sharpton Kim. on there. Wasn't he just arrested for like embezzling money and tax fraud? Yet they put these frauds, right, that have cheated the people of the United States of America on your screen talking as if they're legitimate individuals. There's no disclosure. By the way, he like, you know, embezzled all this money. By the way, corruption. By the way, did this. Nope, nothing. They put these clowns up there to educate you from what moral high ground, from what position of, 
you know, privilege are you speaking of? Kennedy confronted by Chris Wallace saying the entire intelligence community says it was Russia. He says, yeah, but it still can be Ukraine. I mean, yeah, we don't trust the intelligence community in, in the face of uh, a factual statement. They still want to go to this alternative because they are trying to walk in lockstep with Donald Trump, who has decided that he's going to have an alternative universe that he lives in. And we're all going to have to move over there. And if we listen to that, OK, now let's put on a bit of, you know. Reynolds rap on our head. He's created an alternative universe that we he lives in, so we all have to migrate with that. See, the universe that they knew and was fixed and that they've maneuvered and changed through manipulation of the perception of time indeed is where they're aligning with because they understand that reality is only that of the collective. Time is manipulated by that. Now, if I were able to go to the future, I could tell you that as timelines converge and then fork from a timeline that has been created or that has been um, asserted as the middle of the road, those that have put their efforts for decades and centuries into one path are very, very upset. And this is why this is a global effort to impeach the president of the United States. I'm just going to leave it at that. We don't. There's something wrong with us. I, I think the thing that is most disturbing is when you have uh, the co- the uh, Congressman uh, Nunez sitting there and he is the, the, the one, the cheerleader, the head of the team that is opposing uh, what the uh, chairman Schiff is doing in the impeachment hearing. And now we find out that he himself was directly involved in trying to go and see if they could get some dirt on the Bidens. And no one in the Republican Party, no one in the Republican leadership is seeing that is at minimum a conflict of interest. He sat there the whole hearing process being the spokesperson, the lead on the opposition, and he was involved personally, and we're told uh, probably at taxpayer monies. Uh Taxpayer monies, you know, like the ones he stole. But let's go to Rep Nunez and what he has to say in regards to suing CNN and the Daily Beast. The problem with this week's fake news story is we actually caught them. And we caught them badly. We are going to take both CNN and the Daily Beast likely into federal court uh, right after Thanksgiving. It is not okay to work with someone who has been indicted on serious federal crime to build a media narrative and dirty up a member of Congress. Well, that was Devin Nunes, the ranking member on the Intel Committee, doubling down, pushing back against reports claiming he worked with Ukrainians to dig up dirt on former VP Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Now he's threatening to sue some media outlets. Let's bring in today's headliner, New York Congressman Lee Zeldin, a Republican on the Foreign Affairs Committee, joins us now. Congressman, good morning to you and welcome. So you saw your colleague there pushing back on those uh, reports over the weekend. What did you think? You have an indicted criminal defendant who's peddling hearsay laundered through his attorney. Devin Nunes is a great patriot. When he says that this story is demonstrably false, if he's calling it fake news, 
I believe Devin. And in one case, you have the ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee who's been doing great work uh, for a very long time. And in another case, uh, you have someone who's facing serious jail time trying to curry favor. Uh, so this case seems to be likely going to, to federal court. Uh, it seems like where Lev Parnas was laying on side, uh, right on top of an electric fence, inviting some members of the media to lay on it with him, uh, they took the bait and uh, they, they ran with a story that they should be racing to retract right now. I, he, he's saying he's vowing to take them to court. He's going to let the holiday week pass. And he says we're going to take both CNN and Daily Beast likely into federal court, uh, Congressman, right, right after Thanksgiving. And we hope they cooperate. Do- what happened? Throttling of um, these? They are going to go Do to court. Do you support his decision to go on and sue these outlets? Uh, Devin, absolutely. Devin has had enough of being slandered for, as he said, he's he's the messenger. For many years, he's been uh, calling out a lot of what he sees. He calls balls and strikes accurately. There are some uh, who may not like the way that he is just so candidly, brutally honest. Uh, he is someone who is supportive of the president. He holds Adam Schiff accountable whenever Schiff lies. Uh, if the media is not saying something that's accurate, Devin Nunes will just call it out for what it is. And for that, uh, he has a big target on his back. In this case, the media chose to ran with, run with a story slandering Devin Nunes, uh, which Devin says is demonstrably false. Uh, and I'm sure that if Devin is saying what he's saying and plan on taking him to court, that he's that he's got the goods and that that some of these other media outlets are dead to rights. Um, and we've got the goods, too, in regards to the Daily Beast. Remember, the Daily Beast is the one that has an obsession with Q as well. <laughs> They're obsessed, really obsessed. But here's the thing. What people don't seem to realize is that good people can't be bought. Good people can't be threatened either. That's the way it is. Because when you know that you are doing the right thing, you're not worried about anything. Yes, you may be hit with, you know, lawsuits. They may come after you with rubbish. It happens all the time. But in the end, when you know that you're right, even if they do successfully take you out, it will not be in vain, will it? Because that's the way it is. These are gangsters. Remember, since last year, what have I called them? The mafia, this well-oiled machine of mobsters that sit in those chairs that we've paid for in a seat that they had never the right to sit in. This is the way things are right now. All of them are going down. We got them all. We caught them. We caught them. And that's what's incredible that they really don't care that we caught them. And listen to how Giuliani responds to the impeachment inquiry. Okay. After all of these hearings of people who witnessed nothing but were witnesses. Exclusive Rudy Giuliani. Mr. Mayo, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Nice to be with you, Ed. So Republican Lindsey Graham, as you know, chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's now opened this investigation on Burisma and Hunter Biden, maybe Joe Biden, the former vice president. I'm sure that's music to your ears. You've been talking about this for a long time. You've just written a letter to Lindsey Graham. I've got it here uh, asking that he help you get three Ukrainians uh, who want visas to come to America to testify about Burisma. What would they say about Burisma and Hunter Biden? Well, well you know, uh it's real simple. This, this case is a uh, 
This case has been real simple from the day that Joe Biden confessed to committing bribery back in January of uh, 2018, and the Council on Foreign Relations didn't note anything about it, although he said precisely what was attributed to President Trump a year and a half later that caused all sorts of... uh, Basically, uh, they'll prove that he committed bribery. The crime of bribery is offering something of value to a public official for official action. Okay, here's what Joe Biden says he did. He offered him a $1 billion loan guarantee. He threatened him with a $1 billion loan guarantee. Unless the and prosecutor in return for that, so that's, that's part one of, of bribery. Part two is he got the president of the Ukraine to fire the prosecutor. Right. But, and and, and uh, the, the uh, somnolent uh, Council on Foreign Relations didn't mm-hmm. find anything wrong with that. Although a year and a half later, when the false charge was put out that the president of the United States threatened... Uh, Zelensky mm-hmm. with not getting money in order to investigate Biden. Uh, within a minute, there were headlines in the New York Times, the Washington Post, calls for impeachment. It's the same thing. Ed, okay, on that point, Mr. Mayor, except the, for the double standard that we have that's oh, corrupting us. Okay, so pardon me. The former vice president, no, has insisted it wasn't bribery. That the prosecutor he wanted fired was not investigating corruption enough. That's his case. And when presented with the idea that that Lindsey Graham is now investigating all this. Here's what the former vice president told CNN. I'll let you react. Wait, before we hear what he has to say, again, I tell you, go to TorySays.com, go to the search bar, type in um, Ukraine, and a bunch of articles will come up. You're going to go to the article with a picture that has Obama, Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden. In there, okay, you're going to see criminal indictments by this prosecutor that wasn't doing enough that go back to 2014, okay, before Joe Biden threatened, right, 2014. And those criminal indictments are about Burisma. He's got a real tough road for re-election. Trump is now essentially holding power over him that even the Ukrainians wouldn't yield to. Lindsey is about to go down in a way that I think he's going to regret his whole life. Your reaction? Sounds like a poor imitation of the Godfather. I mean, this is the guy who sent out a decree that they should keep me off tele- television. He, uh, every, every other week, he wants to get into a fist fight with the president. Uh, when he's asked about all of these uh, conflicts and all this money made by mm-hmm. his family selling his office, he says, I don't know my family's business. He says it so often, he's starting to say, sound like Kate Corleone in The Godfather. I mean, the reality is you have to be a fool to think he didn't know that his son was under investigation. Okay, so he says and, there's and also, no... If, yeah, and if Joe point. Biden... I don't care what he said, he's lying. Okay. What? What? Uh, he's been lying all his life. The guy's been a corrupt politician since uh, the brother got phony loans when he was in the Senate. Every every place that Joe Biden was appoint man, appointed by Obama, mm-hmm. the Biden family came away with millions. Okay, you've talked about that. Romania, China. nobody wants to look at it China. because the Washington press corps... Okay, well, we're talking about it Okay, so I want to ask you then. I talked about your letter. You want three Ukrainians to come to America and testify. Four. Four of them now. Okay, in the letter I saw three. So in, by the same push of transparency, are you willing to have Lev Parnas, your former associate, who's now been indicted, come and either testify to Adam Schiff or Lindsey Graham in the interest of fairness? Before he answers, I just want to tell you, for those of you that did not see this interview, he has the same face I made when I testified as a witness, a factual witness, in a grand jury months ago. I made that face, and I saw it, you know, on the playback. 
And I was just like, oh, my God, I totally gave away. Like, yeah, thank you for that question. Listen to his answer. It's up to him. I can't tell him to do it. I don't represent him. As far as I'm concerned, he could testify to everything he did, and it was perfectly appropriate, perfectly normal. He has said a few things lately that are completely untrue and provably untrue. So I don't know what he's doing. I mean, he well, claims he claims that we had a meeting with the president at the Hanukkah party right. in December of 2018. Somebody should remind Lev that there were five witnesses including his uh, his good friend, Igor Fruman, mm-hmm. who all say categorically untrue, provable by records. He's trying to make himself very important. We never had that meeting with the president. He- and I'll tell you something about Lev Parnas, and we'll go to this, um, which is one of the other pieces that I'm working on. Remember, when I put my stuff out, I put a lot of Easter eggs in there, too, hoping that the, air quote, legit media... <laughs> picks up on it and goes with it. I mean, I am, like I said, pretty savvy with computers. So I see what they search and what they take off my site and search for. And I'm, and I'm happy for them to do it. And this is why I'm calling it out because we've had media outlets that a lot of you share articles about, you know, that they write breaking this, breaking that, right. That have searched my site. I've seen them search my, I can see it. You know, they can use VPNs all they want. But um, I can see what they're searching, kind of like how I saw that the top search over the weekend was I'm a legal immigrant or I'm, I have an alien residency. If I voted, do I get deported? You know, Google should have just come up with a page that says yes, but instead they were getting my article as the top hit. So these are little things that we can see and what frustrates me the most, and I can't stop saying it is that they're seeing it. I put it in there for them to see and they're still not running with it. Um, which by the way, I was sent a link from the American thinker, which I follow as well. And I just haven't sat down to like read things yet. Um, that talked about the investigations that, um, Millie Weaver and myself have been doing and, uh, you know, things that we've been cooperating with, um, private investigative teams and, you know, now obviously their ongoing criminal investigations that happened before, uh, the Kentucky elections too, uh, that are using the information we have. And now they started, you know, put out an article talking about it and, you know, kind of giving the blaze a nod where the blaze didn't even talk about this, which is really bizarre too. Again, don't trust anything because even people that are questioning, well, why did the RNC use crown strike? Are they dumb too? Yeah, no, they're corrupt too. When people realize that there were never two parties, this is happening now that there's two parties. When people realize that Republican and Democrats were one in the same, Trump has changed that and created two parties. That's when you'll understand just how massive this is, just how enslaved we are and what their plans uh, were on a domestic level. At least, at the very least, you should be able to see it on a domestic. At the very least. He just made it up. So you never uh, met with the president, Lev Parnas, at that Hanukkah party. You're saying you never uh, actually, met. Actually, actually, we. Uh, uh, what I did was I introduced the two of them to the president. They okay. took a one-minute picture. They walked away. And what he said was we had a private, long meeting in which the president instructed him to do things. False, 
untrue, provable by the testimony of five witnesses. Okay, Mr. Mayor, so, overnight. Uh, so if he wants yeah. to do that, he could make himself into another Michael Cohen. Uh, I don't know what's going on. His lawyer makes these comments that are not only untrue, they're provably untrue. With okay. the testimony of witnesses and documents, he's getting very poor counsel. Okay. I feel sorry for him. You feel sorry for Lev Parnas. Now, overnight, CNN reported a news story about Lev Parnas. I want to quickly ask this, and we'll move on to other subjects. Sure. Which is that Parnas is claiming that an ex-Ukrainian official uh, met with Devin Nunes, the Republican who's the top Republican on the Intel Committee, you know well, uh, met with this former Ukrainian prosecutor, uh, General Viktor Shokin, uh, in Vienna, uh, and that this happened last December. Do you know anything about that meeting? Devin Nunes is denying it. Did Devin <laughs> Nunes meet with him? Ah, poor Lev. I don't know what he's doing to himself. It's a trap. Thank you, Lev. It's a trap. This is it. Remember, Lev Parnas and all of them were actually brought into the scene so they can tag team on Giuliani by a corrupt oligarch right, corrupt oligarch that was allowed entry back into the United States by President Barack Hussein Obama because his bank, Privat Bank, was how they were laundering funds. Obviously, right after the elections of President Donald J. Trump, that bank was confiscated by the Ukrainian government. Oh, in a sense, they were like, he's corrupt, we're investigating. But what they did was just what the Miller, the Mueller probe was about, roadblocks because the government was still corrupt and this is how it evolved they had two years of trying to cover up but unfortunately the good guys were already there and too bad that we had eyes on eric braverman when he left even though politico and even the right-wing media were telling us something different i think once again that's going to be shown to be provably untrue I do not believe that Devin Nunez met with uh, met with Shokin. This is the first I would I would have heard of that. I think I would have heard of it if it happened. Uh, it was before he was actually doing anything for me. That wasn't really until late December, early January. Uh, I don't know why he wants to do this. He didn't do anything wrong. All I I used him to find people in Ukraine because I couldn't trust anyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, the FBI was closed off to me because the witnesses didn't trust the FBI. They had brought their case to the Justice Department and had been turned away and were worried about the Justice Department. Uh, if, I, if I went with uh, some other people, it would have been leaked. Mm -hmm. So they helped me find people. And as uh, I've said, they've done, they did a good job. Okay, but so they weren't investigators and they weren't James Bond. Right. And they didn't have personal communications with the president. Igor Fruman would testify to that. And for some reason, Lev has got himself into a grandiose thing, or maybe his lawyer. His lawyer is saying these things. Why a lawyer says things? Is he saying that, you think, to get off the hook because he's been indicted But he's not going to get off the hook by lying. Okay. Devin Nunez says he didn't meet with Shokin. I have no reason to believe that he did. And in fact, if he did, there would have been nothing wrong with it. Okay. He, no. he should have met with Shokin. Shokin had relevant evidence of massive corruption in the Ukraine that was being covered up by the ambassador being covered up by the State Department. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Covered up how? Okay, so the guy that ratted out on Parnas, right, 
just, you know, creating, not ratted out. Because like I said in my article about what they were doing against Giuliani, these were his clients and they were the best people being such big real estate brokers and having some clout in the Ukraine to uh, facilitate meetings, uh, to interpret things and translate things. Kind of like if someone came to me, some big guy that wants or the government... <laughs> Any government says, hey, Tori, we want to get in touch with people in the government within Greece. Um, can you help us? Sure. What am I? I'm simply the interpreter, the translator and the connection guy. So there's been times where, you know, part of my scope on some projects is to coordinate um, meetings because they can't find a way to get those meetings because every country operates differently. And to be efficient and quick, what do they do? They hire someone or if you're a friend and I've done this for friends, friends that need witness testimony, uh, like expert witnesses. I do that for like title four things, title nine things, right? I'm an expert witness to many cases when they relate to cultural issues or whatever of things that I master. So these people were his client and he did exactly that. Hey, you know, you're my client. I want to ask you, can you do this for me as a favor? I just want to understand how to maneuver this system because I want to get in touch with this person, but I don't know where to start. Can you help? That's totally normal. They're not investigators. They're just helping because they have the skills to help. Kind of like someone would ask me, hey, I want to get in touch with this hospital, you know, in northern Greece. Tori, any way you can put me in connections because I'm calling this number and, you know, I don't know how to get in contact with them. It's like 20 million gatekeepers. Sure thing. Done. In like, you know, 20 minutes. Uh, it's not It's not because, oh, I know someone. It could be I know someone who knows someone or I just know how to maneuver the place faster. That's exactly what happened here. So you have to think. This oligarch that Obama lifted a ban so that he can enter the U.S. and then gave 10-year resident alien visas in 2015 that are expiring in 2025. I really hope that ICE is investigating that. To his family members, they were given resident alien visas for 10 years. So this guy entered the country, helped in 2015. His stuff were confiscated in 2016. The government of the Ukraine was covering that up. And you know how this guy came into the United States, how he helped launder money into the Hillary campaign, the DNC, and other organizations? Well, it's pretty simple. He got his visa after meeting with Marie Ivanovich and Eric Braverman. And there's pictures and CCTV. <laughs> Pretty funny, huh? And this Ukrainian company called CrowdStrike, because they're Ukrainian, not American, like falsely stated by MSNBC, um, they also facilitated in the coding and the programming of this bank. That's a hint to what's coming. And not being investigated by the FBI or the Justice Department. Okay, real quick. He had every right to talk to him. He sh in fact, it would have yeah. been his duty to talk. So I don't even, I have no idea why this lawyer is creating these additional problems right. for Lev. They're not problems for me because there's so many witnesses and documents to prove he's lying. That's why I hate to see. Sure. I, I do this for a living, right. and I hate to see a lawyer do this to somebody. Okay, you said it's not going to hurt you. Are you afraid, Mr. Mayor, that you could be indicted? Oh, wow. How, awful, how long have you known me, Ed? I've known you several years. 
Uh, you think I'm afraid? I, I don't know. You think I get afraid? Well, the, uh, I did the right thing. I, I represented my client in a very, very effective way. I was so effective that I discovered uh, a pattern of corruption that the Washington press has been covering up for three or four years. You should have jumped all over this mm-hmm. in 2015 when this awful conflict was mentioned. Sure. And it was hidden and suppressed by the Washington press. But you the know, reality that, is, the yeah. reality is I'm embarrassing you because you didn't do your job. And I'm also going to bring out yeah. a pay-for-play scheme in the Obama administration that will be devastating to the Democrat Party. Okay. I expected the moment I heard Biden's name, sure. I told my colleagues they're going to try to kill me because they're going to kill the messenger. But damn it, the mafia couldn't kill me. Right. Uh, your colleagues are not going to kill me. Okay, so the Wall Street Journal, though. And I just wanted to say, Epiphysians, a quote, right? You're not saved by God for good works to you do. But you are saved for good works. Remember that. I knew that a lot of you out there that do investigative journalism, that report things, you know, understand just how scary it is to have a target on your back. And for me, seeing that MoMA, that I'm on the internal, you know, communication system, the internet of Google is very concerning for me. But I'm not afraid either. Do you see what I'm saying? Because when you're doing something that's right, you should be fearless. And rather than all of us out there seeing something and not saying anything for the sake of saving our backs is like doing the act itself. I, I, I wanted to, to, to mention that because it's important. Now, before I can't believe that this hour just flew, I wanted to say, uh, there was an Iranian, Muset Malavi, uh, he's, um, he's, uh, you know, late thirties, mid thirties, late thirties. He was actually shot down in Constantinople, Istanbul in a district called the, uh, the Sicily district. It's on CCTV and he was shot down 10 shots fired on November 14th to Turkey. Now, this guy is the guy that ran the Telegram uh, channel called Black Box, which talked about corruption in Iran, uh, about intelligence services, and claimed to have, like, um, connections within the um, Iranian Revolutionary Guards. This guy um, was the one exposing how the U.S. intelligence actually hire and install the IRGC. And he had exploited all of these facets and avenues. And you know what's funny is that it, it it happens in Turkey. It's like, why is everybody that has something on somebody get shot in Turkey or sliced up? in well, Like, what's going on? Now, we all know that Iran, their intelligence community, the weaponized intelligence community of Iran, has a huge presence in Turkey because that's how they move the stolen, or wait, that's how they move on the black market the uranium because there's a lot of black market uranium. So even though these investigations are ongoing, you have to sit and pause and say, gosh darn it, why is Turkey always in the middle of this stuff? And remember how I told you that their internet going down isn't because the government's trying to shut them up. It's not because of that. It's because they don't want the other side to have access to their systems. Taking it down. The good guys taking it now down, not the bad guys. 
I want to make that clear. And this is because of the great policies that President Trump has put into motion. They have been liberated. It hasn't been done yet because the gosh darn it European Union just won't stop. The United Nations won't stop. And if you listen to the leaked testimony, uh, testimony, leaked phone call between Nunes and the Ukrainian uh, U.S. reps, uh, you can go to Train C. Bean's um, Twitter handle and see it. She tweeted it out today, like I said, almost as if a melding of the minds. Uh, but if you actually listen to it, you'll realize that the U.N. is clearly that, a pawn to prop up the right officials and the right strategies for the bigger plan that they have. Kind of like how, you know, in, in, in Libya, they've propped up the Turkish military to be the Libyan military when the Libyans have their own army. So keep that in mind as things go on. Enjoy the fact that the president just surprised the mainstream media with Conan, the hero dog. And I think we're going to have a really good Thanksgiving. Not just for us that are going to be having turkey and enjoying Black Friday, because I'm totally doing that. But also on the fact of what crow we will be dishing to the left. I'll see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. 12 to 2 Eastern. Only on Red State Talk Radio. God bless.